Verizon brings you Pay It Forward Live, a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo and Fios Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Welcome to This Feels Terrible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin McGaffey. If I sound a little bit different in this intro than I do typically, that is because I am using uh, my to-go mic setup. So there you are. If this is your first episode of This Feels Terrible, um, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Second of all, uh, this episode is is 100% different from any other episode uh, that we've done thus far. Um this week, uh, our episode is dedicated to body image. Usually, I have a, a funny a funny guest on the show, and we talk about love and relationships, and we swap stories, and it's and it's very fun, and uh, sometimes it's sad, but it's mostly silly. Um, but this week, we're just going to talk about body image. Um, I months ago. Uh, at the end of my episode with Anthony Atamanik, the very funny comedian out of New York City, I announced that I was committing to um, getting healthy and uh, losing weight, perhaps, uh, and that I would, on August 16th, um, post pictures of myself wearing a bikini. And I called that, I love my terrible body. Um, and it sounds silly as I am saying it out loud, but I announced that and I said if anybody else wanted to join me in that commitment, that that would be great. I started a forum. I uh, answered your emails. I got a lot of great emails. We There, there was such a great humbling response and um, and I was not able to um, commit to it uh, and not because... I don't understand how to eat healthy and not because I don't know what exercise works for me or anything else. Um, I, I kept on starting and stopping over and over again in really dramatic ways because I, I just wanted, I, I, I've, I felt uncomfortable with my body for about a year now. I mean, I've, I've always felt uncomfortable with my body. I felt extra uncomfortable with my body this past year. And so I, I was not, I couldn't bring myself to just start, um, exercising and eating right in a, in a moderate way. Like I just kept on starting and restarting in in very like dramatic ways. And, uh, basically it was yo-yo dieting. Um, if I may be, uh, Meredith Vieira about this, I was yo-yo dieting, dieting, um, and I ended up gaining 10 pounds. <laughs> and this is not a show about weight or a diet or what I did right or wrong that way, because I understand what I need to do to lose weight. I, I get all that. Um, but like most people, my issue, I have issues with food and I have issues with my weight that are much more than just understanding calories and understanding, um, working out. And it's all incredibly shameful, shameful. I feel very embarrassed. I feel really bad that I didn't commit to this thing. And I, I considered just posting pictures anyway. Um, but I think in order for me to do that, the conceit would have to be that I am comfortable with my body, no matter what it looks like, but I'm not, I'm really not. Um, I, and that has nothing to do probably with how it looks. It just has to do with the broken part of my brain that always sees myself as I always see myself as, um, fat, no matter how thin I am. Um, and that that's, that's happened for a long time. So anyway, uh, I, I got this email from um, a therapist out of New York City named Adrian Glasser, 
who uh, specializes in body image and eating disorders and trauma and a bunch of different things. And she she uses a, a bunch of different therapy, a bunch of I keep on saying a bunch of different um, she she uses like many, many different methods of therapy to work with people. She's a very dynamic therapist. And she sent me this great email saying that she was willing to talk to me about this stuff. So I, uh, I had her on the show. She's, um, she's in New York city. So we, we had a conversation over the phone and she talked to me about my, um, my, my body image issues. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was really great. I I feel um I don't know. I mean there's a lot of I uh, I'm I'm I feel like I'm I don't know. I'm I'm rambling. I'm spiraling. I don't know. It's such a big it's such a big issue. I could do an entire other podcast talking about this stuff. Um and I'd like to apologize for make I mean I really meant it when I made that commitment to do that. Like I really felt it and I really meant it. And I was, I'm so flattered by all of the people that participated in it. And I feel bad because I feel like I, I, um, I let you guys, I let you guys down. Um, but I also know that you guys, all of you were so great and gung ho. You probably didn't need me to encourage you. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I am going to stop talking and uh, let you hear this interview with the wonderful therapist, Adrian Klasser. Here we go. Uh, hey, Adrian. Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm good. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, sure. I'm a huge fan, so I'm happy to, I'm happy to help. Thank you. Um, can you uh, can you explain to me and the and the listeners like what your background is? Sure. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm a creative arts therapist. And I work in New York City. Uh, I have a group practice and a private practice, and I do lots of creative methods with people who struggle with addictions and with eating disorders and with lots of other things. So it's a general practice. Nice. Um, yeah. Do you think that you'll be able to, to fix me over the course of this podcast? Absolutely. You're awesome. going to be completely cured. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that I, I did, what I hope to do is provide some level of uh, just a perspective of looking at body image and uh, a way of looking at it, maybe from a different lens. And hopefully that's helpful um, to you, maybe other people. Because uh, I get excited about how to talk about body image from sure, kind sure. of a different perspective. Let's just focus on yeah. me for now, Adrian. Though let's not let's not get right. too ambitious. It's all about you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, full disclosure, I I have always had a really hard time with therapy. Like I mm-hmm. um, I've only I've never gone to a therapist more than once, and I've always had like really not not like terrible experiences, but I. I, I've never really responded well to it. So I'm excited to, to try this. <laughs> but if this was like a, if I came to you, if I came to you for, oh gosh, my headphones are sliding off my head. Um, if I look, I, a few months ago, I announced that I was doing this, this thing called, I love my terrible body pretty impulsively. Like I do everything. And the promise was that on August 15th, I was going to take pictures of myself in a bikini. Um, Uh in that time, I not only have I not reached my goal, I have gained 10 pounds. (laughs) I had a feeling that you were going to say that. Oh, really? I actually, yeah. Cause I actually, I was really uh, amazed that you had this goal for yourself mm-hmm. because a, a lot of times when people go into like a rapid fire of I need to change my body immediately, this is exactly what happens. Is why, why is that? Like, um, because usually food serves a function in mm-hmm. some way, and um, usually it's an emotional function. And if you all of a sudden are like, okay, here's this coping strategy that I've had for who knows how long and I'm just going to immediately take it away 
it's your whole body rebels. Like everything is going to rebel to be able because it's too unsafe. On some level, it feels unsafe to just like rip off the band-aids that quickly. Right. Um, okay. Because it, yeah, because if it's a, if it's serving some emotional need, mm-hmm. you need to replace it with something. Otherwise, yeah, your your whole system is going to kind of have a big response to it. Oh, and by the way, about about therapy, um, I actually was in my own therapy starting at 15 and didn't find a helpful therapist till I was like, oh, in my like fight around 22. So that's, you know, years of being in therapy. That was just terrible. Were so you were you just I, going from were you trying to during that time? Were you trying to find the right person or did it just click like? Oh, I spent years not having the right person years and also it's worse I think when you're a teenager not mm-hmm. having the right person because you're there and you don't even really get that you have a choice about those things so right. um yeah so I mean yeah the fit is really important like that's a that's a really important thing about therapy because that you know all therapists are different their approach is really different mm-hmm. I mean I think I think a lot of um there's not a whole lot of understanding that different therapists have completely different approaches like I was seeing people that were old school psychoanalysts um when I was a kid and what works best for me is like more um creative art therapy um experiential therapy which is like talking about different aspects of ourself Hmm. so like I have a part of me or an aspect of me that really likes to eat when I'm having difficulty emotionally Mm -hmm. so I had to work on that for years but you know I needed to get to know that part of me and that aspect of me and how it works, why it functioned the way it did, that sort of thing. And that that's ultimately what, what worked for me in my own recovery, and that's what I studied as a therapist to try to help other people with addictions as well. Right. So, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I I think, like, the the the, the work, like, that, like, a, a big process like that is very daunting. Like, I'm not, um, I'm not a very patient person. I'm very impulsive. I'm very, like, obsessive. Um it's funny, like I, several times in my life, I've, I've uh, said, okay, <laughs> here's this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat these foods, I'm going to work out every day, I'm going to, like, I'll have like a chart with like stickers, um, mm-hmm. there's all, there are always stickers, uh, and it never, <laughs> it never works, but the, the thing with, I, I don't, um, I'm noticing this pattern in myself where when I am, I always, when I'm going through a breakup or when I'm incredibly sad, I don't, um, my therapy becomes exercise and I am not as hungry as I normally am. Like I, I I know that there are other people that are this way, but I usually, I usually hear about the opposite, but like when I'm really like happy uh, or like Uh satisfied, I have a great time eating but then when I reach like right now, like I'm at a really for myself, like I'm at a really uncomfortable, I'm really uncomfortable with my body. I don't feel sexy. I don't, my clothes don't fit. I feel really awful. I feel, re- and I feel really like embarrassing. Like I, you know, when I met my boyfriend a year ago, I weighed a lot less than I weigh right now. And I mean, I, I, I'm 5'10", so it kind of gets distributed better than I think it would if I was shorter but I just I feel awful so then I go into the right now I'm in this like kind of not I'm not depressed per se but I am in this like sad place where it feels like the only option is to like lob off my arms you know what I mean like there's no the idea of like gradually losing weight or gradually getting in shape is seems insane it's like well the only thing to do is to have someone drop me off in the middle of the desert and I'll just try to make my way back and maybe on the way back I'll lose weight because I'll I'll be starving and that'll be that'll be the way to do it and then everyone will love me again but no one doesn't dislike me because I'm I've gained weight no but that's definitely what an aspect of yourself is telling yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not, I mean, your rational mind obviously knows, like, no one's going to reject you that really loves you if you are a different size. But there, we all have aspects of ourselves that tell, well, I don't know if all of us do, but I think a lot, a lot of people have critical aspects of ourselves that just berate ourselves. I mean, I'll wake up one morning and I'll just be like, you awful, terrible person, you suck. I mean, it just, it happens to everybody. 
And it's about becoming aware of that, that negative self-talk and that, that sort of that aspect of ourselves that drives the, this desire to do something really quickly mm-hmm. because all the kind of quick fix stuff doesn't, it, it never really has any long-term results. And the only reason why we want to do it quickly is because we feel terrible. We just yeah. feel awful. So, of course, you want to do it as quickly as possible. But who wants to sit in this voice that's saying you're awful, terrible, you know, piece of crap? Like, who who wants to sit in that? So we right. come up with, you know, what is the quickest way out? And it usually fails. Um, but, the, you know, a lot of the solution is, like, working with that that critical voice that everybody has like recovery not recovery like everyone in the world i think has that kind of critical side of themselves whether it's about body image or about anything else and being able to see it as you know that's an aspect of me and that's not all of me Mm -hmm. is really different because there are moments where we feel like we're that's all of us so like i all of a sudden i am like i am the person that's saying you know the, the aspect of me that's saying that i'm fat Right. Like I'm yeah. fat. I'm ugly. I'm this. I'm that. And I, and when I'm in that place, I don't, there's no space. Like there's mm-hmm. no space between that being an aspect and me being myself. Right. And all of, all of a sudden, like I hate my, myself. I feel terrible. And then what happens? We want to numb out. Get out of this feeling now. <laughs> so what happens? We either overeat, do drugs oversleep. I mean, whatever we do, you know, we, we all do whatever vice we have to yeah. shut down the, the negative self-talk that we have. Oh man, and I've been doing, I've been doing that. that, that oversleeping a lot, a lot lately. <laughs> it's, uh, especially today. It, it, that's, that is a terrible feeling. Yeah. So it's, and so then we wind up doing these compulsive behaviors of whatever kind and then we feel bad about that. Then the critical voice is beating us up about that. It's just like more ammo. And, you know, what's helped me and what helps a lot of, you know, the clients that I see or even people that I see in workshops. I mean, not everybody that I see has, you know, a major um, issue that they're coming to me for therapy about for years. But it's everybody's working with, okay, I have this aspect of myself. How can I recognize it in my everyday life? And realize that it's an aspect. It's not all of me. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to talk to it. And then we get into this territory of like, okay, so I should be like Stuart Smalley and say, I'm great <laughs> and fabulous and everyone likes me. And that, that stuff does not work. Like if you blindly just go into Affirmationville, like that, that doesn't work. And it has to be um, really what that aspect of you is concerned about. So, I mean, hey, I'm hoping it's okay. I'm using this as an example, but like you said, I'm really concerned that people won't like me, but rationally mm-hmm. I know that's not true, right? right? So, like, if we know that that is the aspect of you that gets really concerned, we could, we could say, well, you know, you can reassure that aspect of you that that's not actually what's going to happen. I mean, you rationally right. know that. Yeah. But that aspect of you does not know that. So how do I, like, so what do I do? It's all about like really getting curious about mm-hmm. this aspect and what it's concerned about would happen if you are, I don't know if you use the F word, but if you are calling yourself fat or like, I don't know where your negative self-talk goes, but like if you are overweight and like what, what does that mean to this aspect? What is that? What's the concern? I mean, I'm hearing the concern is that people will reject. I mean, that's a common, that really is a common concern for most people. Like, people will reject, people won't be interested, guys won't be interested, girls won't be interested if it's a guy. So, it's like, if that becomes the concern, it's like really talking to that aspect of you that that's not what's happening. And especially for you, like, I'm sure you can, since you you have your, your partner, like, you can say, like, that's not happening in this moment. Right. And, and actually reassure it. But it's, it's those moments where it doesn't feel like it's an aspect. It just feels like it's all of us. That's yeah. where it's, it's really hard. And I, I don't know much more than doing, um, you know, putting that aspect of you in a chair, like old school, kind of like, <laughs> you know, experiential therapy, uh, that works. But also, I mean, if you're not in therapy, like just doing some breathing and asking this aspect of you for space so that you can just get curious about it. 
to see like really what is it concerned about because mm-hmm. that's what's driving the whole thing. Gotcha. Like I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose people. I'm going to be alone, whatever those, and it's different for everybody. Everyone has a different kind of variation of what the sounds like for them. What prompted you to do I Love My Terrible Body Day? Uh, well, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I think, I think I said this on the, on the podcast, but it, but it really was like, I thought, I thought that if I made a promise to my listeners and to other people that, to my listeners and then, then beyond that listeners who were really into the idea of also, um, feeling more comfortable with their bodies that I would, that that would be, that would be enough motivation to get really skinny, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. But and, I, and I think that like, Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was, I, I was just going to say that uh, I, I, and there are so many people who were so sweet and so on board. And I tried so many times to kind of like, rally myself to be part of that and or, or, or be as enthusiastic as everybody else but I started I felt very and I don't, I don't really know why but after after I announced that and after I like I built a forum for I love my terrible body I started feeling really guilty because I felt like I wasn't as invested as I should have been. And also like, I've never, as somebody who's always struggled with her weight and any time that I've been thin, it's been because I've been incredibly depressed and not because I've suddenly loved myself. I I felt really like guilty spearheading that movement, even if it was just like for my own podcast. So this this is an aspect of you that's feeling guilty about, about, what, yeah, what's the, what was the guilt around? Um, I think, I think mostly that like my, I mean, I, I, I care and I, I usually care more about this than I do about my own personal feelings. Like I obviously am very open on the podcast, but I, I mean, the, the, the truth is, is that I just really wanted to lose weight and be sexier but I I knew that um I mean I don't want other people to feel that way and I certainly don't want teenage girls to think that there's anything wrong with them so that's why I (laughs) I like and I didn't really realize that maybe I was being a little dishonest with myself at the time that like the whole thing was like I love my terrible body it's gonna be great like no matter where I'm at but really it's just like I I really just wanted to feel sexy like I really just wanted to uh be back in that in that place so so in that way I felt I felt very like um I don't know fraudulent with with my posts on the forum I don't know I just started feeling really embarrassed like I thought that everyone was just was was so great and Dustin can you take that squeaky toy away from him sorry Okay. Um, I, I, I felt, I felt bad because I thought that every, I, I didn't feel like I was adding anything to the discussion. And I mean, I mean, the obvious thing is that I just emotionally hadn't really, wasn't really in a good place, but I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been in a good place emotionally when it comes to my weight. Like I was saying, like any time that I've been really depressed is when uh-huh. I look sexiest and when I exercise obsessively and my life turns into for the love of Nancy which is a Tracy Gold uh movie of the week uh for those of you who are under uh 30 um so uh yeah i i, I don't know i think the the idea of being i mean i don't think i've ever had a healthy body image so I don't really know yeah, how to do that. Because you, yeah, you, you've been saying a couple of times that this has been a struggle for, for a long time. Like I'm getting, yeah, the sense that it's been a struggle for a long time. And 
you know, what happens for a lot of people is that, you know, we have an aspect of ourselves that I, I it sounds like, I mean, from what, I, what I've heard also from the podcast, but this has been something that you struggle with since you were like a kid. And mm-hmm. what can happen for a lot of people who struggle with body image as a kid is that there can be real wounding around that. And I don't, I'm not quite sure what, you know, your particular wounding was around your body image. But what happens is, is that aspect of yourself gets stuck at that age and has a belief system that's, that's kind of stuck at that age. And by the way, this is like for everybody, like who, you know, this is really prevalent. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just, you know, people coming to therapy, like this is really prevalent for most people that there's like a traumatic or, you know, upsetting situation that has to have, that happens around body image. And there's an aspect of us that holds on to it. And there are other aspects of us that are trying to never have that happen ever again. Mm. And, you know, when you're thin and, you know, you said depressed, there's probably aspects of you that are working really, really hard to not have that experience happen again, whatever that experience was. So I don't know if you can talk about what, like, what were your early experiences around body image and around um, the struggle and also around sexuality, because, I mean, a lot, you've, used, you've said the word sexier, that, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of this is like you want to be sexier. So um, I don't know if that's part of it, too, but I figured that would be a good thing to talk about. I My my mom really struggled with her weight in a, in a really extreme way, like gained and lost 100 pounds every several months, Had, was, was in a compulsive eater and... Also, uh, bulimic from time to time would just fluctuate between the two things. And, um, she like, uh, from like my, my earliest memories of her are her telling me that she, that, that I needed to lose weight, like from a very, very, very young age, five or six, Mm -hmm. like she, Yeah. yeah. And like she, she made me join Weight Watchers with her. And like I remember that there was a time when like, I mean I've always been I've always been a tall kid, and I also I mean I think I just had her genes. I, I don't think that we, I just naturally I don't think that I'll ever be a petite person. I mean I'm five ten. I've never been, I've never been like really skinny ever. I've always I've always been very like strong looking. Um, <laughs> That sounds so awful. That would, I'm realizing that if anyone ever described me as strong looking, I'd kill myself. Um, not really. I wouldn't kill myself. I shouldn't throw away terms, throw around terms like I'd kill myself in this uh, simulated uh, thing. But anyway, um, don't worry. I'm, don't worry. I'm not going to freak out and take you seriously like a, like a therapist would. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, so you don't so, have to worry about that. But that's actually. You know, being, you know, it's funny because everyone has their associations with like, you know, being strong looking could be awesome to someone else. Like they would be really excited if they were like strong. But for you around this body image, like that actually is a negative connotation. Like you have a negative connotation to being strong looking. So that's, I mean, that's already giving us information about how, you know, what you're, what you're supposed to look like according to probably critical aspects of yourself, right? Right, yeah. I mean, I've always, always, always been, like, not necessarily fatter, frequently fatter, but I've always been bigger than, like, a, a lot of people in my peer group. I mean, growing up in school, I was always, like, the biggest girl. Like, it was always a, an assumed thing that I was bigger I mean like from things to like I don't know I don't know like riding a pony at a petting zoo like there was always a worry like am I too big to ride the pony like people would always discuss that very openly in front of me um my dad my my dad who like I don't I just don't think like even realizes that like I, I think that most of my issues are for my mom but my dad also would comment on um like it, there was a big thing for a while. Like I, I started borrowing my dad's uh, camos because my dad was in the military and I would borrow his pants when I was in middle school because I thought they looked really cool. 
And there was one day when my dad was like, you have to stop borrowing these. And also you shouldn't be the same size as your dad. Like, that was a, that was a thing. Also my mom, like, and I, I, I know that I've said this on the podcast before that like my mom would frequently say to me that I was lucky that I had a pretty face because the rest of me was, was out of control. And there was always a, there was, there was so much, my like dress size was such a big deal to my mom and my pant size and like getting too big yeah. or, or, or like approaching being plus size. Meanwhile, like my mom was always very heavy or she would be very thin. It would go back and forth all the time. Um, yeah. And I, and I gotta say like having a parent that struggles with, especially a mom, if it's a daughter, like having a parent that struggles with, eating disorder, uh, weight issues, you know, what winds up happening is if, if she had difficulty with your body and you're saying like you got critical feedback from both your mom and your dad, it's like, there is this idea that I'm only acceptable if I look a certain way to my parents. And when we're, when we're kids, it's like, we think the entire world functions as our home. Like, we, we just assume, like, everything in the world is exactly the same as my house. Oh, is that supposed and to end? Because so, I, I feel like well, I still feel that way <laughs> and operate that Yeah, way. everyone does. Absolutely. Like, everyone, I, I think everybody does to some extent. That, and we still treat people in the world as if, like, they're familiar people in our home. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, becoming aware of, like, what are, what's the belief systems that we're holding on to? And when it comes up in the world, I mean, that, that really is the work. But having, having parents being critical about your body, I mean, it basically sends the message, like, you are only acceptable if you look a certain way. Right. And then you get barraged by the media on top of that. And then, you know, to whatever extent you're in, you know, the public spotlight and there's pressure in that way. Like, it's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of, um, you know, negative self-talk that kind of, you know, that, that aspect that you can hold on to. Right. And that, and that paired with my parents also did this thing, especially my mom, like if anything good ever happened, we always, 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 always celebrated with food always. Mm -hmm. And like in a sneaky way, (laughs) because my mom had so many issues with food that if like something good happened at school, we would sneak away somewhere and, eat chili cheese fries and be like so happy and excited, but it was our little secret. Like we couldn't tell dad about it and we couldn't tell anybody else about it. And so I, I definitely, and in the most, in the most obvious way possible, like I literally like the idea of like stealing food, like I do like in places, if I, I mean, like with my, because my boyfriend works in TV, there's so many events where there are these amazing platters and uh buffets and but not buffets um makes it sound different but like huge huge giant spreads and I'm always I will walk by it and like quote unquote steal food from it even though it's Uh not stealing food like I'll just take like a napkin and just like grab like a ton of cheese and just like walk away like privately eat it because I because I fetishize like stealing food like that makes me happy um yeah and it was associated with like celebration and happiness. And the other side of it is like, and you're not supposed to be doing it. So it's right. like on one, on one hand, there's an aspect of you that's like celebration with food, but then there's immediately this other aspect that's like feels probably guilty and bad. And, you know, it's like growing up in a home where there's restrictions around food or, con- you know, con- conflict around enjoying food. Yeah. It's, you know, having that conflict, it's like you feel like it's the last time that you're ever going to be able to get that food. Mm-hmm. So you got to get in as much as possible because you're not really allowed to have it. Right. So it sets up this huge conflict. And, you know, even though I'm a therapist, I'm also somebody in recovery. So I totally get this part because in my home, we had the secret cabinet. And Ooh. in the secret cabinet was like the cookies and the chips and all that stuff. But it was only for guests. Oh. When we would have company. Right. So, but the funny thing was, it's like, if, it, if something was open, then you, like it couldn't be in the, it couldn't be in the cabinet if it was open because everybody was sneaking in there and, you know, so the entire family was eating out of this cabinet that was for guests. Wow. I mean, it's such a, <laughs> like, right? Like 
we eat this food when we're celebrating with our friends that come over. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also we're not allowed to. So it's, you know, it's really, um, it's a big, it's a big issue. And we grew up, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the age difference, but we we grow up around the diet culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, it was just everywhere. I mean, it wasn't just my family. It was every family. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was just everywhere. Snack well. It still is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think it's unique to, to my family, your family. You know, everyone has, like, some level of conflict around this, you know? Yeah. And, of course, it's on the spectrum. But, you know, already, like, it makes sense as to why, you know, even when you're in a happy place, why food can seem, you know, it, there can be a conflict. And a lot of it is like paying attention to like, when are we hungry? When are we not hungry? I mean, these are all things that like we all know, but like having mindfulness and actually being in the moment and trying to ask ourselves, like, are we hungry? Are we not hungry? Are we eating past fullness? Are mm-hmm. we eating because of feelings? Or are we actually eating because we're, yeah, like we actually need to eat. Right. These are all questions that like, you know, we all get caught up in the moment of whatever it is that we're doing. And, you know, for like, you know, if there's drinking, I mean, it's just like you can get so caught up in everything that it's very hard to keep the mindfulness around that really simple concept. It becomes not simple, really. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that there, yeah, from what I'm hearing already, there was a lot of conflict around food, like from the messages from mom and dad and going to Weight Watchers, like that's really tough as a kid. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's all that I, (laughs) it's so funny, like I, how do I make the, how do I go from like understanding why I have all those issues to um, trying to adjust because I mean like you talk about being hungry like getting back to that place of like understanding when you're hungry and understand when you're just eating emotionally or when you're just eating because you are bored or whatever like I I feel like I don't even I I don't know like I feel like I I really don't even have that sense anymore like I I know that I know when I feel hungry but also like if I'm even just a little bit like really excited or really sad that I am automatically not hungry. And if I'm like, if whatever I put on my plate, like I'll eat whatever is on my plate. So it's not like that has anything to do with how hungry I am. It's just like, what's in front of me. If I have any sort of drink in front of me, like alcoholic or otherwise, like I will automatically drink all of it compulsively. Like, uh-huh. so I, I, I don't know. Like, what do, what do I do? And yeah, I think this is the case for for most people. I mean, I actually i i saw i saw this this really I, it might seem off topic, but it's not. But like, I saw this great video about Cookie Monster this morning. It was <laughs> all about like it was like um, you know that that song. It's like I don't care, and it's like I'll just wait, and it's like him delaying gratification. Right, right, the right. cookie. But of course, at the end of the video, he eats the cookie, which I was really happy about. <laughs> but it's the type of thing where, you know, yeah, we're, we, we're faced with so much deliciousness that we're not supposed to have mm-hmm. that on one side of it, we're, we're like really conflicted. But the other side is like, yeah, we get caught up in life. And, you know, there's tons of delicious food that we want to enjoy and should enjoy. Like food is meant to be pleasurable and for um, nourishment, but it's really in the moment. It's like a practice of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know any other solution than that of like, you know, just practice of at each meal, you know, checking in with like, am I hungry? Am I not hungry? What's happening in this moment? Do I even yeah. want this food that's on my plate? This actually looks kind of gross. <laughs> like, you know, whatever it is that's like happening, like we could miss it if we're not paying attention to it and all of a sudden you know just like the foods in your in your mouth and it's the, the moment's over so mm-hmm. it's, i mean what we do i mean I, the only thing that i've seen work for myself and for other people is just a, just trying to increase mindfulness and that means asking yourself you know anytime that you're eating like questions about like hunger fullness about um yeah really that and the other thing is mindfulness around different aspects of ourselves so, like, you know, getting into all this stuff about messages from mom and messages from dad, it's like, you could be like, yep, okay, this is, 
psychotherapy 101, like mom and dad, like, what do I do with this? And it's, you're getting to know the parts of you that are so active today that have that hold that conflict. And then when does that come up in everyday life? So like, does that come up? Like, do you feel conflicted during this moment where you're Mm. wanting food or, you know, does this, does that conflict come up during this moment? And it's just being really aware of like these different aspects and how they manifest in the moment. And like, you know, be in relationships too. Like, you know, in my relationship with my husband, like there are times where, you know, he's busy, but I want attention. And like, what do you do with that? Like this young part of me that wants attention and like, you know, really just wants it. And, you know, what do you do with that? If I don't pay attention to that part, you know, and give it what it needs, it's just probably going to, you know, do something else that's not going to be helpful, you know? Right. So it's, yeah, it's real. I can't say enough about mindfulness. I really can't. And which it might sound cliche, but it's just, yeah, there's, I really haven't seen anything else work personally and with the people that I'm treating. So I don't know if that's, that's a long answer. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're very helpful. Sure. Um, yeah. Do, and you, I, do you have any parting, I don't, I don't... any parting shots? What's that? I said, do you have any parting shots? And by parting shots, um, I mean parting thoughts. Yeah. Parting thoughts could be, you know, just having lots of mindfulness and awareness of your mm-hmm. parts. If you have parts of yourself that are telling you that you're awful to ask them for space and to get curious about them, about what they're really concerned about, what fears they have, and basically get curious about how to, like, how to comfort yourself. Um and comfort different aspects of yourself that tend to be rough. Okay. So those, those are some of my parting thoughts. And the other thing is, I I think that as far as teenagers um, and how they would respond to Mm -hmm. like being vulnerable uh, about um, your own struggle around body image, I think that you were trying to, uh, you know, create accountability Mm-hmm. for yourself and creating I love my terrible body day and I, I, I think that that's like really commendable because you wanted accountability for yourself and for other people like you started a forum for right. people to try to be accountable um, and I and that that's that's important I feel like there's not there isn't enough community around this and community around like this struggle um, that we're not alone in it, that mm-hmm. there's other people that are struggling with it and just getting information of like, what is the solution? Like, I, I think the solution is mindfulness and being aware of negative self-talk and really trying to work with that. Um, but providing a forum for that. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's, it was incredibly vulnerable and commendable on your part, I think. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I really appreciate you reaching out to us. This was really, this was really good. Good. Yeah, I hope I was um, helpful in some way. I hope that your thoughts on therapists, <laughs> can I ask, like, how have your thoughts on, on therapists yeah, no, changed or, I, I not, mean... <laughs> or not changed, which I will not be insulted at all. Um, <laughs> what if I was just like, no, no, really, this, this, this really was the best thing. I mean, like my other experiences, I've... I mean, maybe I mean, you have a slight a slight advantage because you've listened to my podcast, so you so you know me. But um, I think my 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 bad experiences with therapists in the past have been bad because I've just left feeling sorry for myself and not really feeling like I guess it was okay that I felt a certain way, or it was. I mean, not that you said it was okay that my parents called me fat or anything, but. You just you just saying like, yeah, of course that makes sense, and this is oh sorry my headphones, um, and this is why that makes sense, and we all have experiences like that. Like that's that's very helpful. That's much more helpful than feeling like a, a miserable and alone. Yeah, and I think a lot of therapy like people don't give uh, a ton of feedback. Like there tends to be this idea that you need to do most of the talking, which you do, you do need to do most of the talking. But I think without being real, like being a real person on the therapist part. And I also think like self-disclosure on the part of the therapist is helpful. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I I think that 
you know, it, it, when it's for the sake of like the person who's needing the help, not just like I I am going to tell you all my problems and be a completely inappropriate therapist. But I think like having that helps with not feeling like you're this person that's kind of on like on stage and being exposed and that there's something wrong with you. You know, kind of it just like even that that um that dynamic of the the relationship i think totally. how do you how do and people that, yeah. you're in new york is there are you are you taking new clients are you doing stuff that people yeah, could, I mean, how do people find you um well you can go to www.experiencewellnessgroup.com um that is the, the that's the group um basically the the group that I'm part of that I, that I run and we do groups that are experiential groups for people who struggle with addiction, eating disorders, and also just general coping skill groups. So I run that group practice and that's, that's, yeah, that's basically, and yeah, I I take new people into the groups, um, new people into my practice. I'm also working with organizations and schools um, starting in September doing um nice. experiential and creative arts in the school teaching mindfulness skills that kind of thing it's super fun that you know the the workshops and the organizational stuff is super fun i get to take you know all the improv games that i've learned and kind of put them <laughs> into a different <laughs> practice so it's super fun oh fun well thank you so much you saw your uh i think i think you must be great at it i had a great experience awesome now now all therapists uh yeah don't have a a a bad name which i totally understand because i had a ton of bad therapy experiences sure yeah well thank you um well great well so we'll probably stop it there thank you so much that was really that was really great i could talk to you for uh for hours awesome (laughs) <laughs> I did too. I, I enjoyed yeah. what's that? Dustin said that's what you pay her for. Yeah. <laughs> I also am a big talker. I like, you know, no, in my personal great. life in general. If, um, if you yeah. could send and, me oh, sorry, go ahead. What's that? I was gonna say if you could send me like the cause all if if you could send me um your uh, practice information. So when I like, I'll introduce you, obviously, like we'll keep that in you explaining like where you are and how you can be found. But if you could send me that information so I could, uh, so I can tumble it and so I can introduce you that way. Yeah, that would be great. Thank that would you. Be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you also mm-hmm. met random, like you randomly met my husband. Too. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He was, he was, he was really sweet and he was very sweet about you. He was uh, just over and over again. Like, she's awesome. She's awesome. Aww. <laughs> um, Aww, that's cool. So, so yeah. So thank you. Thanks for, you know, having me on the podcast. It was really exciting. Um, oh yeah. Well, thanks for being on it. I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about this. It's different from any other episode we've ever done, obviously. That's even cooler. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I get to be special. I'm so excited. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the other thing that I was going to ask you is do you, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what kind of like hype I can try to drive up in the like body and eating disorder world, but <laughs> I mean, I, you um, know, I can try to do that. Are you, so you're not going to post pic? I'm assuming you're not posting pictures or you are. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I, Honestly, like I really haven't thought about it that much or I, yeah. or I haven't really dealt with it. Um, I don't know, because like, I, I mean, I don't really I don't really feel comfortable posting pictures. I feel I also don't want to send the message that's uh, that, that's like I, I don't feel I don't like my body right now, so I'm not going to post these pictures. But my thought like. It occurred to me during the podcast that, like, in lieu of posting pictures, like, posting this podcast, I feel is, like, much more revealing than any pictures would be. Or, I don't know, maybe I would, I don't, totally. I, I don't know. I, I think so, too. I think that, you know, a, a lot of the time people are posting pictures and, like, I, I think a lot of times, like, there is an acknowledgement of the struggle. 
And like people, that's right. what people need help with. Like people yeah. need help with the struggle. So I, I agree with you that like, you know, putting the podcast, like that, that would probably, people would relate to it, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so if I, I think what I'll do is, you know, there's like national eating disorder, like there's all kinds of like places I can like tweet and whatever. So I'll do whatever I can to hype it up. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think, um, I, I just think like any like comedy, you know, entertainment, mental health kind of merging. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. So I, I yeah, I'm actually doing a, um, a whole profile on um, on <laughs> on Heisenberg. Oh, really? Saw your case, which <laughs> oh, is yeah. hilarious. Thank you. That was cracking me up this morning. So <laughs> yeah, anything that has that overlap, I'm super interested in. So I'll I'll do whatever I can to to push it. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much. You're really you're really great. And I, I I think I might be in New York in January if you want to get lunch or something. That would be awesome. And I'm usually, like, I, I head out to L.A. at least twice a year. So Oh, cool. Yeah, well, please, cool to please meet in shoot me a text when you when you come to L.A. Definitely. It'd be cool. To, it would be really cool to meet face-to-face, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. I know you have to get off the phone. And I've got to, and I've got to pee. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. This was, this was really, really good. Thank you. Sure. And I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yes, I would I'd like that. Bye, Justin. I don't know if that's sincere, but bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, guys, that was the interview. Um, if you're interested in uh, Adrian Glasser's work, and I hope you are, you can find her at www.experiencewellnessgroup.com. She uses creative arts and experimental episode, episodes, experimental methods um, in her work. And she has a group practice that does workshops that specialize in eating disorders, addiction, trauma. And she's also an improv performer, if you are um, interested in catching her in that way. Um, you can send me any emails at uh, thisfeelsterrible at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Erin McGathy or... Um, on uh you can follow the podcast which is at feels terrible uh we have a new fantastic intern that's running that his name is taylor jacobs so um yeah thank you for doing that you can follow the tumblr um thank you so much for listening i hope that this um this was helpful in some way have a great week Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So, at GEICO, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. Now, it's our turn to share with the GEICO Giveback. A 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit GEICO.com giveback for more info and eligibility.